Let me tell you a, a true story of a guy named Keith. Uh, Keith Greenberg grew up in New Jersey in a home that was religious, but not Christian. Uh, he grew up fo following a religious tradition that his family had been following for generations. And part of that family tradition included feeling different and even defensive because they were surrounded by people who called themselves Christians. And this led Keith's family to even have a negative view of Jesus himself. Well, with this background, uh, Keith went to college and he made lots of friends. And one of his best friends was a guy named Daniel. One day, Daniel talked to Keith about Jesus. Uh, Daniel explained how he had become a Christ follower and he talked about what it meant to follow Jesus. And Keith got really angry. And he said, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that I should become a Christian? And Daniel said, listen, you're one of my uh, closest friends and I, I just want you to know who I am. I, I don't want to push anything on you, but uh, God means everything to me. So it's just natural for me to talk about it. But Keith was insulted and he kept pressing Daniel and saying, are you saying that I should follow Jesus just like you? And Finally, Daniel said, Keith, you're not only one of my best friends, but I love you like a brother and I'm going to be your friend no matter what. Uh, but sure, I wish you could experience, you know, the forgiveness that I've experienced and start a new life following Jesus. But don't think that our friendship depends on that. Well, at this point, it didn't matter what Daniel did to try to explain himself. In Keith Greenberg's mind, this friendship was over. And with something close to hatred in his eyes, uh, Keith told Daniel that he didn't want Jesus, he didn't need Jesus, and he didn't want or need a friend like Daniel. In the, Keith's mind, this friendship was over. And Keith avoided Daniel for uh, the rest of that year. In fact, Keith had nothing positive to say about Daniel and said a lot of nasty things about Daniel. And I share this story because if I'm honest, uh, this gets to uh, one of my greatest fears when it comes to sharing Jesus with the people in my life, including the one person that God has placed on my heart to invite here to church. And my fear is that by sharing Jesus, I'll actually turn off my one toward Jesus. And I'll be rejected and I'll ruin our relationship in the process. And if you're a Christ follower who wants to share Jesus with one, I bet you have this same fear. And guess what? I'm not going to say anything today that is going to eliminate your fear. <laughs> uh, Daniel's interaction with Keith proves that you can do everything right. You can be humble and sensitive and thoughtful when you share with Jesus and you can still get a negative reaction. And if you know what Jesus says, you're not surprised because in the gospels, Jesus tells his followers to go out and talk about him. And then Jesus adds this promise. Oh, by the way, uh, as you share about me, some people are going to hate you for it and some are gonna get really angry and some are going to reject you. 
So there's nothing I'm going to say today that will eliminate the risk you face whenever you share Jesus. But what I want to do today is explain why you should do it anyway. I want to do this by sharing five reasons why I must share Jesus with others despite the risk. But before we look at these uh, reasons, uh, let me clarify what I mean by sharing Jesus. In our part of the world, it's, it's hard, maybe even impossible, to find someone who has never heard of Jesus or what he did on the cross. So for us, sharing Jesus is not telling people historical facts about Jesus, but it's helping people to personally apply what Jesus did on the cross in a way that results in them experiencing God's forgiveness and giving them a friendship with God as he empowers them with his indwelling spirit, giving them an assurance of heaven for the next life. So next time we're going to study more about how to share all this, but today we're going to uh, talk about why, why Christ followers need to share. So let's... uh, let me, let me sketch out five reasons why I must share Jesus with others despite the risks. Beginning with, sharing Jesus is the only way people can find peace with God. Now, I understand that many of us cringe a little with this statement because it seems arrogant to say we follow Jesus and he is the only way the only way to peace with God. And this statement would be arrogant if it came from us, but it does not. Uh, This idea that Jesus is the one and only way to a relationship with God comes from Jesus, not us. Jesus made two unique claims that no historical figure or religious leader ever made before or since. First, Jesus claims to be God in the flesh. There have been teachers who have claimed to be sent from God, uh, to teach about God, but only Jesus claims to be God. Second, Jesus claims to be the one and only way to a relationship with God. There have been teachers who have claimed to know the way to God, but only Jesus claims to be in himself. Note that, to be the way to God. Uh, In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now notice the first two words. Jesus says, I am. I am the way. Jesus does not say my teachings are the way to God or my religion is the way to God. No, Jesus says, I am. I am the way to God. Then notice the last two words, through me. Jesus says to get to God, you must have me. Then notice that Jesus claims to be the only way to God. He says, no one comes to the Father except 
through me. Jesus makes this exclusive claim in other places in scripture as well. In John chapter 3 verse 18, Jesus says, whoever believes in me is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Still, some of us cringe. We cringe by this insistence in the Bible that the only hope for peace with God is personal faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Many of us squirm and we secretly hope that there's a loophole somewhere uh, so that we can take comfort in the idea that Jesus is a way to God, but there are many other ways to God as well. Well, the Bible gives us no comfort, zero comfort that there's a loophole. Because frankly, an alternative path to God makes a mockery of Jesus' death. Jesus chose to die on the cross because there was no other way for people to find peace with God. If there was some other way, then Jesus didn't have to die. And Jesus was a fool. I had a theology professor who used to say that if I'm river canoeing with a friend and my friend says, I'm gonna show you how much I love you. And he throws himself overboard and drowns the world would say that he is a fool because his death was meaningless because he didn't have to do that. But if I fall out of the boat and I am drowning and at the cost of his life, my friend jumps out of the safety of the canoe and saves me and drowns in the process, he is no fool. He is in fact a hero and my best friend. Either Jesus is a hero or a fool. And the moment you believe that there is another way that God has to himself other than the cross, then Jesus' death becomes unnecessary and you make him out to be a fool. Jesus is no fool. And God would never send his son to die if there was another way, any other way, to peace with him. And so it is not arrogant to act on the belief that Jesus is the one and only way for people to have a relationship with God. In fact, it is a humble thing to follow Jesus and then bank your eternal soul on what Jesus says about himself. And this is the first reason why true followers share Jesus despite the risk of rejection. We share Jesus because we have banked our souls and our eternities on the proposition that Jesus is who he claimed to be and that he is telling the truth when he claims that he is the only way that people can find peace with God. The second reason I must share Jesus is because sharing Jesus is at the heart of who I am in Christ. Jesus says of his followers in Matthew 5, you are 
the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. If I follow Jesus, this is who I am. I am light in this dark world. And if I understand who I am, then I understand that introducing Jesus is not an option and can't be avoided or buried at the bottom of my to-do list because it is who I am. Jesus walked up to Peter, James, and John and said in Matthew 4, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. Jesus did not say, come and I'll make you safe and give you a risk-free life. No, Jesus' upfront purpose for me is to make me into a certain type of person, a person who brings people to God. Not only does Jesus not promise me comfort and safety, Jesus promises that I will experience his presence as I step out of my comfort zone. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus tells me to go tell others about him and then he adds this promise. Go and make disciples and I will be with you always. Jesus didn't promise to be with everybody. He promised to be with those who step out of their comfort zone and share him despite the risk. And so if you've ever done this, if you've ever stepped, stepped out of your comfort zone to share, you know this is true. You know that Jesus' presence is somehow even more palpable when you're trying to help someone come to know Jesus. If you've come to a stagnant place in your relationship with God, Start sharing Jesus with others and you will sense Jesus' promised presence with you always. The third reason I must share Jesus despite the risk is that sharing Jesus expresses my love to God. Now we've seen how Jesus commands me to introduce people to him and how he interprets it as love when I take this call seriously. On the other hand, think about what it says to Jesus if I ignore this call and if I just stay silent. Scripture says that God interprets my silence as a lack of love. Jesus says in Matthew 10, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Now, Jesus is not being petty here. Uh, He's stating a spiritual reality that a relationship with God includes real love, not just phony intentions. When I keep silent, Jesus takes the hint. He takes the hint that that I love security. I love my convenience. I love my reputation more than him. Jesus takes the hint that it's a one-way relationship where I I want salvation from Jesus, but I sure don't want to be identified with him if it costs me something. And this is serious. Scripture says it is a serious thing to, by silence, disown Jesus. It's a serious thing to be ashamed of the one who took my shame on the cross. 
On the other hand, if I overcome my fear and I share Jesus despite the risk, I'm saying, Jesus, I love and respect you more than anyone, anyone. You're my friend. And I want to, with joy, stand with you even when it hurts. When I share Jesus despite the risk, it is interpreted as love by the one who loves me. The fourth reason I must share Jesus is a heavy one. Sharing Jesus has eternal consequences. Near the end of the Bible, we're told uh, that one day everyone stands before God and those who have personal faith in Jesus will have their name read from the book of life and they will be ushered into heaven. But then we're also told in Revelation chapter 20 that if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And in other messages, I've given full explanation as to why hell is not literal fire, but fire is a biblical metaphor for something infinitely worse. Separation from God who is the source of all goodness and joy and beauty. Christ followers understand that the stakes are infinitely high in this life because when people leave this world, they have left their one and only chance to make peace with God and secure heaven for all eternity. If you are a Christ follower, then from a human perspective, for certain people, you may be their only chance to find Jesus in this life and heaven in the next life. There is a book of life and there is one way to escape the eternal consequences of sin. And that one way is through personal faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so true Christ followers share Jesus despite the risk of a negative reaction. We understand that the risk we take is infinitely small compared to the eternal consequences that hang in the balance for the one we love. The fifth reason I must share Jesus despite the risk is because sharing Jesus is the highest expression of my love for others. Uh, in the first message in this series on one, we heard the apostle Paul explain why he is compelled to share Jesus with others. He wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Christ's love compels me because I'm convinced that one died for all. So Jesus filled Paul with love, a love that compelled Paul to reach out to others. And Jesus wants me to be compelled with the same kind of love. Jesus wants me to be passionate about at least one, one person in my life because I see that one through the truth reflected in the previous four reasons that we just went over. I will be compelled with love to share Jesus to the degree I am convinced of the truth that sharing Jesus is the only way. That sharing Jesus is who I am. And sharing Jesus expresses my love to God and that it has eternal consequences. Let's go back to uh, Keith Greenberg and Daniel. Uh, 
Keith was so angry at Daniel that Keith refused to talk to him for a whole year. But then one night after a basketball game, uh, Keith instigated a parking lot fight and it led to the serious injury of another student. Keith was in deep trouble. He was expelled from school in his senior year and he saw his future, his family relationships and everything else crumbling around him. And he didn't, do, he didn't know what to do. So he called Daniel. Because the whole time he was showing anger toward him on the outside. On the inside, Keith knew that Daniel loved him, cared about him, and had something that he needed. So on the uh, very night that Keith called Daniel, Daniel invited Keith to church. And that night, Keith Greenberg committed his life to Jesus. And Keith told the story that I'm telling you uh, at a gathering of Christian college students called Urbana. And after Keith told this story, he then introduced his parents, uh, who later came to Christ through Keith. And after Keith and his parents told this story, they introduced Daniel. And when Daniel appeared, some 50,000 students jumped to their feet and cheered and cheered and applauded. And as Daniel received the standing ovation of thousands, Daniel got a foretaste of the double reward waiting in heaven for those who share Jesus. It's the double reward of both receiving God's applause and the reward of seeing people in eternity who are there because you got past the fear and reached out to one despite the risk. Can you picture it? You're standing there with that one in heaven because you shared Countless angels are, are on their feet in wild applause. And then you see Jesus himself standing, smiling, cheering, and coming to you with his reward. Now, Keiths don't always turn around. But the point is that Daniel was faithful. And he shared Jesus with Keith despite the risk. Faithfulness is doing what is right and trusting God even when life gets hard. Skip and Ruth Gray live that kind of life of faithfulness and here's their story. Okay. 
we'll see him again. And they sent us to lunch. They said, well, we have to confer. And when we got back, Dr. Duff looked at us and said, the baby is dying. We don't have to make a decision. When I would go to the ale, I didn't know what to do. You see, there little babies in an incubator with all these tubes and all. But the nurses were so wonderful. They said, you know, you can touch your son, David Raymond. And I said, well, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt him. And she said, no, you won't. And it was just a perfect body except for the breathing. And I would go from seeing going from Yale to St. Vincent's. And Lisa would ask me a million and one questions. Finally, she was able to come and see her son. As soon as she saw David, you could see the love. It was, it was really sad. It was really hard. That was the first and only time I ever got to hold him. We had Jeffrey 10 years later. And those were a long 10 years. But God in his goodness has always, to this day, he's always allowed us to love other people's children. And he did that then, and he still does that. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's two years ago. I didn't believe it. I thought it started with my arm shaking. And when I went to my regular doctor, he told me, I'm going to send you to a neurologist. And I said, no, this is an old injury that I probably had when I fell in the service. And after I saw the neurologist, he says, everything leads to you having Parkinson's. I think it's one of the hardest things for me, for Ruth and I, we've always hold held hands, especially in bed at night. and the stamina and and the grace with which he just goes through this. I, I believe my faith is stronger. Not necessarily because of the Parkinson's, but because of being active in church. I'm active in Young at Heart. Some of these people that come to Young at Heart, this is the only time they get out. We got involved with the, the couples ministry where we've, we've mentored and the issues that come up, like ourselves, we had no clue. You know, you're, you're young, you're in love, you're going to get married, you're happy ever after. Skip and I have been married now for 39 years. Going back to when our little boy, David, died, people with great understanding shared with us the fact that the chances of us remaining as husband and wife were very slim. Because often after the death of a child, the couple splits. God has been so good, and we have come through some really hard times. Losing our first child, Luzon, who's a very bitter because of brought up in a very dysfunctional family. She was telling 